0: I love superheroes, but not all of them. Like, the story of Superman has always bothered me. Yeah, he's an alien orphan, and his planet's been blown up, it's all very sad. But he grows up, almost his entire life not even knowing that. His pod crashes on Earth, and he's just raised. And he's got these superpowers that come because the sun hits him. He doesn't really have to overcome anything. Whereas you look at some other superheroes, Spider-Man gets bit by a radioactive spider. Okay, comic books, sure. But the thing that makes him Spider-Man happens after his Uncle Ben dies. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the thing that brings the Avengers together as a team is the death of Phil Coulson. See, the things that we can relate to in our lives is struggle, overcoming it. The good that comes out of learning from struggle. I want to take a look at these situations that we've all gone through, these catalysts to what has made our life what it is, and what we can do to make them better, to make ourselves better. Welcome to The Single Parent Preacher. My name is Alex. Now, the catalysts in our lives are usually start as bad things, painful things that we go through. And if you're listening to this as a single parent, you don't have to mentally go too far. The whole reason this podcast exists is because we have these pain stories. We sort of have these built-in things that have happened that have caused us to have to change our lives dramatically. And while it changes our budget and it changes our schedule, we still have to remember that we're people too. We have to change internally Because if you're not changing, if you're not healing, if you're not developing, you're just becoming a robot. You're getting worn down and worn down and worn down, and you can only get worn down so much. And we need to be able to reconcile these things. And I want to talk about a couple of examples from scripture. Now, if I say to you, tell me about Moses, what are some things you think of? Probably burning bush, plagues, let my people go. Ten Commandments. The big highlights. Have you ever thought about why Moses was in the place to encounter the burning bush? Because if you remember, Moses was saved as a baby. He's put in a basket and floated down the Nile River. And Pharaoh's daughter picked him up and adopted him. And he was raised in Pharaoh's house. And then... And then this happens. This is Exodus 2, starting at verse 11. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. And the story goes on, and Exodus 3 is the story of the burning bush. Exodus 3, one. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Moses was hiding. He did something wrong and knew it. Pharaoh was going to kill him, and he ran. And in his running... He found the burning bush. And that's when everything changes for Moses. That's when he becomes the let my people go. That's when God uses him to part the Red Sea. That's when he gets the Ten Commandments, manna from heaven, the whole thing. He sinned. He ran. And God still used him. You see, no matter what we've been through, no matter what you've been through, what you've done, God can still use you. As far as I know, and I'm not going to pretend to be a Bible scholar or have the whole thing memorized. As far as I know, the fact that Moses killed that Egyptian doesn't come up again. He's somebody different now. You're somebody different now. And God has somebody different for you to become, if you let him. You have to let this sort of thing motivate you and not hold you back. Even when Moses is arguing with God, if you continue... If you continue in Exodus 3, Moses is like, but I'm not really the guy. I don't speak super well, and that's his objection. It's not, oh, Lord, how could you possibly speak to me? Don't you know what I did to the Egyptian? It's not any of these other things. Moses is just like, I'm not good at talking. Even God doesn't bring it up. It's just over. And I want to make this very clear. I am not saying, and I do not think... You should do terrible things to get inspiration to not do terrible things anymore. No, just stop it. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin? Romans 6, 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? I'm not saying sin and then run and then change. But too often, we let these terrible things that have happened to us or that we've done hold us back. Stop us from becoming the person that God wants us to be. We just say, here's what I am now. I can never be anything else. God can never do anything with me. That's what we think. That's what we say. But it's not true. Let's go to another example. Acts chapter 8. Now, if I say, who's Paul in the Bible? You might say he wrote a lot of the letters. Most of the New Testament is letters from Paul. He was a great evangelist. He went to Rome. He did a whole bunch of things. He's like, near, he's like single-handedly the reason the world heard the name of Jesus is because Paul went around and preached everywhere. But before he was Paul, he was Saul. And in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is stoned to death. and says people laid cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul. Acts 8 starts like this. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Saul, not a friend of Jesus, not a fan. Acts 9, before he gets knocked off his horse, it says that he had just gotten permission to persecute the church in Damascus. Saul 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul's out for blood, and he's getting it. He's getting permission from the high priest to go get more people, persecute, imprison, kill more people. Verse 3. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. And you will be told what you are to do. It's three through five. Saul, not a friend. Persecuting, murdering. And God stops him dead, gives him a new purpose. His life changes. It wasn't about who Saul was or what he was doing, it's about who God made Saul to be. He writes later that he was a Pharisee, that he persecuted the church. He lists all of these accolades that he has and then says, But I counted all nothing. For the sake of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, count it all, nothing. When you think about your story, what pops in your head? What's your roadblock? Is there unforgiveness, and bitterness? Do you have fears and worries? Something might happen again? Are you stuck in a what-if loop? What if only I had done this? What if only that happened? Are you unable to let go? Unable to accept that what happened happened, you can let your story hold you back. You can let it stop you from changing, being better, or you can let it motivate you. You can say, I don't want to be this person ever again, and then say, God, how do I get better? What is the best thing that I can do right now? Don't ask God for what you can do tomorrow, right now. What can you do right now? I mean, even if you can, if you need to, pause this. Pause me and ask that question. What do you want me to do now? Maybe the pain is too raw. Maybe it's too new. You're not ready to get over it yet. There's still something you can do now to start the process of healing. Maybe it's been a long time. Have you ever had those things happen? Like, everything's fine, and something random happens, something really minor, but you lose control. Like, it bothers you to a level that you do not understand. Are there issues you haven't resolved yet? Are there things in your life that you haven't dealt with yet from years ago? Or maybe you're just stuck. Maybe just nothing's changed in a while and you're frustrated or sad or bored. You're becoming that robot, the kind that doesn't know it has value. You're not a robot. You have value. Don't let these things hold you back. The past is the past. It's happened. It's over now. Now, the effects of what has happened can last a long, long time. I mean, if you're a single parent, you have kids to take care of. No matter what's happened, there they are. And we love them. And we want to do the best that we can for them. And the thing we forget is that the best we can do sometimes is to change ourselves, to heal ourselves. Because when we do that, then we can be better parents. We can be better people. We can be better Christians. And when you stop letting the past hold you back, that's when you can move forward. Let what happened push you towards God, towards positive change in your life. Don't let it be a burden it stops you from moving at all. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you do not give up on us. That no matter what we've done or what's happened, you don't give up on us. You love us all the time. God, show us the places that we're being held back. That we're stopping ourselves from getting closer to you and help us from those, to let them go, to do what we need to do to be moving forward, to be good examples for our kids of what it means to overcome difficulty, heartbreak, abuse, whatever it is, help us to make the changes that we need to make, and not just continue to be in the same cycle we've always been in. Grant us the blessing of your spirit. as it might seem that you're with us and we can get through it and it can all work out in a great way for us and for your glory in Jesus name Amen You can find me on Twitter at SPPreacherPod You can email me at thesingleparentpreacher at gmail.com Thank you as always for your time I hope you use some of that time to start healing love to hear how that process is going so send me a send me a message on twitter shoot me an email let me know how you're doing how the process is going for you and until next time remember that god doesn't give up on you ever